other day in the hallway. You're singing, Oh, Happy Day. Uh, and she tried to blame it on the dogs. There is no longer a federal constitutional right to an abortion. trial started today in Connecticut for a woman named Michelle Traconis. Now, who is she? She is accused of conspiring with her former lover, a man named Photos Dulos, to kill his estranged wife, Jennifer Dulos, who disappeared back in May 2019. The state of Connecticut says that Michelle Traconis killed uh, Jennifer, hid her body with her lover, who, by the way, committed suicide, died by his own hand, died by suicide some months ago so that he doesn't have to stay in trial, but Michelle Traconis does. Now, Michael Bryant, I know you were at the courthouse today, and I want to hear all about what happened both outside the courthouse and in the courthouse. Hey, Linda, yeah, from uh, Stanford, Connecticut here. You know, it's been almost five years for the Jennifer Farber Dulos family to wait and see what's going to happen inside this courtroom behind me. And of course, for Michelle Traconis, her family has been waiting just as long. And so today, opening statements, whoa, wait a minute, there weren't any. Yeah, it's Connecticut. So it's unusual to have opening statements, and they did not. They jumped right into the testimony. So some police officers started things off, first responders, as it were. Remember, this is not a crime scene they were going to. It was a, hey, check on, almost a wellness check to see if Jennifer Dulos was okay. She missed an appointment the afternoon she disappeared. And so they're looking around for signs of, um, you know, foul play, but it's not truly a crime scene until they see some spots, some blood-like stains. Uh, great courthouse here, relatively new, and a lot of things have been consolidated here uh, because of post-COVID, a lot of the outlying area courthouses are closed down and everything happens here now. Big courtroom in, in terms of the height. It's like a federal courtroom. Really tall ceilings. Um, but not all that big in terms of seating. Probably 60-ish or so can fit in the pews that are side-by-side side, uh, with a center aisle. Uh, and, and it's pretty evenly split, you know. Trials generally kind of break down like a wedding almost. Friends of the bride, friends of the groom, friends of the, the defendant friends of the victim. And for the Jennifer Farber-Dulos side of the court, a little busier. Everybody is there from the sisters uh, to the, to the, uh, the, the, the parents, uh, everybody that is so connected to Jennifer Dulos, a lot of friends from the New Canaan area, they are all there on that side of the courtroom. On the other side of the courtroom, Michelle Traconis, again, a lot of folks there in support of Michelle. Her parents, who have been very vocal, and we hope to talk to soon, uh, they're all there, and the media is there, of course, but they don't outnumber the family and friends of either of the sides, as it were, in this case. And when you were in the courtroom, did you get a look at the jurors? How many are there, and what is the jury makeup? Okay, let's talk about the jury. We got three men, three women, six in the box. That's what you've got here in Connecticut. Uh, and then there were going to be six alternates. In fact, they pushed the trial from Monday to Thursday to get a couple of extra alternates. I only count five. I mean, I'm no math major, but I can usually handle up to 12. And no matter how I count, I'm still getting 11. 
And in the alternates, there are four men, one woman. So that's the makeup, all very attentive as this thing finally got rolling. Again, there were no opening statements, so they jumped right into testimony, and the body cam footage began the story that the prosecution is telling in this case. Now, Michael, in pretrial motions, Michelle Traconis's attorneys argued that her statements to the police, which the police say are admissions or confessions, should not come into this courtroom. They should not be used against her in front of this jury. Why did she say that? She argued that English is her second language and she really didn't understand what the police were asking her and her answers were not therefore perfect in response to those questions. So I have a question. Did she have an interpreter sitting next to her in the courtroom listening to the testimony, or was she listening to it herself without the need of an interpreter? There is an interpreter in the courtroom. In the corner, kind of beside the jury's uh, box there, is uh, is a uh, a guy who's standing there. Let me see, I don't have any full-size uh, papers, but, you know, he's standing there with, like, papers up over his face, right, um, to disguise that he's talking. But he is interpreting in real time what a witness is saying, what the attorneys are saying. Michelle Traconis has in front of her a laptop where it is being printed out in real time so that she's getting the sense of an interpreter in her ear, so to speak, uh, to give her at least some better understanding of what's happening. Maybe this is all theater. Maybe this is all to be consistent with the arguments made prior to trial. But it's happening. And to tell you, to be honest, I'm, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of the pews on the left side, almost as far away from the interpreter as you can be compared to the jury, which is right there. I can hear the I, I can hear something. You know, I can't tell what is being said or what is being translated into Spanish. But it's got to be kind of annoying for the jury. Now, one of the things I did notice was that when the video of the house was played where Michelle Traconis lived with her children, where she was allegedly taken by her husband, Photos Dulos, and where she may have been killed, everything was very pristine, in place. It was very white. There was very little indication that there had been a struggle and all. It'll be very interesting to see what the testimony is as it goes forward. Let's talk about that area and the house, okay? Because some of the early investigative efforts were to get videos from neighbors in that new Canaan neighborhood. If you don't understand that the subject house, the, the uh, house that Jennifer Dulos and the kids were living in, is so elevated, and you may have seen it when I was out in front of that house uh, last week. If you have uh, a video camera system outside your home and you're down at street level, you might get the hillside. And you might see cars coming and going, which is what the testimony suggests. You ain't going to see what's going on up at the house, especially on the right side of the house where the garage is and where allegedly any physical uh, injury or abduction or murder took place. So the video they could get from the neighbors, it's of limited help. It does show when a car comes or goes from the property, though. But most of the jury members very attentive this early on and doing the, uh, the leaning forward especially when body cam footage and other visual aids have been presented by the prosecution. So it's going to be a long trial, uh, six plus weeks. This judge, uh, Judge Randolph, he is, I'm telling you, he's a TV friendly judge because he's got a schedule that he's looking to stick to it. So we're looking forward to uh, what is going to be a very interesting and uh, long awaited trial here in Stanford. We, Brian and Baden, will be there to cover this trial every step of the way. Stay with us.